Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America. Now, today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Lady Leah Finney. <laughs> Leah's professional singing career began in New York City, performing at the Red Rooster, Lenox Lounge, Sugar Bar, the Metropolitan Room. And as a jazz vocalist, actress, and voiceover artist, Leah is a total entertainer. And if you've seen the lady photographer in the famously successful Boost TV commercial, well, here she is. So <laughs> it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Lady Leah Finney is what's hot. <laughs> How are you? Hi, G. Keith. I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay. You know, you, you are one of the most famous uh, faces <laughs> on television, uh, uh, and uh, except for the, the millennials who may not have cable. They, you know, they have their their fire sticks and Roku yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But on cable, uh, on regular television, uh, <laughs> you are in my room every 15 <laughs> minutes or so, you know. Oh, man. And I tell you, I feel so blessed and lucky to have been uh, given the opportunity to do that. I, I love the business and um, I'm just very grateful, very grateful. Well, we're, we're going to talk about you and that Boost commercial in a, in a little bit. But first, uh, as I do with all my guests, I, I have you take the Wayback Machine. Uh, <laughs> you remember Rocky and Bullwinkle, don't you? Oh, and, Lord, and, yes. Are you and, kidding? And taking the Wayback Machine. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to take the Wayback Machine, and you're going to tell us what it was like growing up as little Leah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I grew up as a little country girl, uh, literally out in the country. My hometown has less than 12,000 people, and I don't think it's going to grow. It hasn't grown in 100 years. Um, <laughs> We were a lucky family in that my father found the worst house on the best part of town <laughs> and the uh, best side of town. And so that's kind of how I grew up. Um, you know, one school, one uh, post office, one grocery store. It's a really small town. My aunts and uncles were farmers. No, uh, we're, we're, ta we're, we're talking about Ohio now. Yes, Ohio, okay. a big farming community. Um, we'd love to go out on the farm and play. And we played outside. We didn't have electronics and video games and all these things. I didn't have a TV in my home until maybe I started kindergarten. Um, mm. We grew up a little challenged financially. <laughs> my father was a laborer, mm -hmm. uh, a carpenter and an electrician. And, but he was also the minister of music at our local mm. church. Ah. So the way we entertained ourselves was to uh, get on the piano, sing songs, write songs. Uh, so this is what got that going in my blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, all right. So now you mentioned that you guys would sing songs, write songs. It, it, it became a group, the, the, the Pearson family. Uh... The Pearson family. Yeah, we traveled all over Ohio, some places in Pennsylvania. 
um, Indiana. There were lots of church meeting, tent meetings in those days. And we would always be invited to come and um, do the worship service. So we kind of, you know, got ourselves started in that way. All my brothers and sister uh, decided to go into music. Um, my brothers played instruments and my sister and I sang. So oh. it was wonderful. Yeah. So, so you've been singing all of your young and adult life. Absolutely. Um, I actually have a recording of myself when I was about 17 months old. My father gave it to me. <laughs> really? And um, yeah, my mother and father, you know, they couldn't afford a babysitter. So then we would be with one of them all day. My mother worked nights so she could be with us during the day. And my father worked days so he could be with us at night. And since we didn't have a television, he had a beat up old piano that one of the churches had given him. Mm -hmm. And we would just sit around the piano for hours, singing and playing and until it was time to go to bed. Really? Yeah, yeah. But of course, you know, in the summertime, we'd be like the other kids out making mud pies. Um, our uncle built us a, uh, a tree house in the backyard. We were some real country kids, you know. <laughs> We were we were like uh, the rascals for real. <laughs> oh, that was some real stuff. That was real life. Yeah, oh, you know, a few neighborhood kids and us. You know, there were four of us, mm -hmm. several neighborhood kids, a few cousins. Yeah, we were the real rascals. It, it, did you guys have uh, chickens or cows or? Uh... My uncle had cows and chickens. My grandmother had some chickens in her backyard. And we always had a garden, vegetable garden, uh, that the whole family could eat from, you know. So we, we lived off the land for sure. So how'd you get off the farm? I was determined to leave Ohio. I was like, when I get 18, I couldn't get out of there quick enough. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't the most friendliest place for black folks and being a black woman in America. I needed to go somewhere where there was more opportunity Mm -hmm. um, I would say about 75% of the young women and men uh, that I went to high school with stayed in that hometown. They married their high school sweetheart. They went to work in the local grocery store or the, you know, manufacturing plant, lots of manufacturing around there. Um, and then there were some who were farmers. One of my good friends, her father was a potato farmer. Mm -hmm. So they stayed and they stayed in the family business stayed in the small town. And I just, I don't know, I couldn't deal with the small town mentality. Well, my grandmother lived in New York, my father's mother. Every summer he would bring us to New York to see her. Hmm. So we got a taste of the Big Apple. We got a taste of the ocean. And I was like, oh yeah, this is where I wanna be when I uh, leave home after college. Yeah. So you went to college where? Northwestern University mm -hmm. uh, in Evanston, Illinois. I studied speech communications, not having any idea that that would be my profession, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. public speaking. I do remember uh, my father shared a funny story with me. He had saved my uh, grade cards from kindergarten and first grade. And, you know, I was I was an A student. I was always doing things. And so in the report card, it would be like, you know, excellent, excellent, excellent. And then all of a sudden, zoop, all the way over, there'd be this mark. And it would say, talks too much. <laughs> For my kindergarten and first grade. Really? And I said, you know, that, that's so wonderful to know that I had that confirmation back then. 
that I was going to make my living, that my gift was going to be to talk and to um, bring joy to people with my voice. So, well, you um, certainly do that, and you've done that <laughs> for many, many years, of course. Wow. <laughs> so, all right. So now, uh, you your first stop off the farm is the big city, and that's New York. Well, first stop was Northwestern. I went to oh, right, right, right. To, to Chicago, college. My and then I, yeah, and uh, then I actually did a little sidestep. I, I got married, moved to St. Louis, where my ex-husband. Uh, lived. He was from there. Mm -hmm. And we thought we would, you know, be there just for a short time because his mother was ill. Um, but that lady, we thought she was getting ready to um, go see the ancestors, but she lasted for another 20 years. And we were like, <laughs> okay, we got to get the heck out of here. <laughs> because he had aspirations as a performer. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually how I got into acting. Uh, because he was the, uh, the, original actor of the family. And um, so we came to New York and we set down our roots. We both worked part-time jobs trying to uh, just build our careers. And that's how we started. Yeah. I yes. see. I see. So, all right. So now <clears throat> you got into uh, acting because of your husband and he's still, uh, in fact, uh, uh, we, he and I had the same agent, uh, for a long time. I don't know if he still is with CESD, but, but I'm, I'm still with CSD and I, I would see him on auditions and everything. Uh, -huh. uh and, um, but I do remember one time when, uh, I had, I replaced him on an audition with you and your family. Uh, <laughs> you, you called me out of the blue and you said, Hey, we got, I, I've got this audition and I need a husband. And, 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 uh, and so I, I went down, I don't remember what the audition was for, but we didn't get it. Uh, and, uh, but you know, well, uh, I kept a list, I kept a list of, of, uh, actors that I thought we looked very good together. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever he wasn't available, I would call and say, listen, if you got a minute, you know, might be some dollars in it. But you know, when I was in high school and even in, in college with my communications major, mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of public speaking and I'd win tournaments. I did national tournaments when I was in, really? in high school. Um, and then all of that just kind of stayed dormant for a mm -hmm. minute. Mm -hmm. So that when I came to New York, I remember one time my, my ex-husband and I, we were watching uh, a commercial that was mm -hmm. on. And he had auditioned for it. And I'm like, you know, what was with that? You know, I didn't know much about what it took being in the commercial world. And he started to tell me about the camera being right up close to you. And there was a lot of copy because most of his work was on stage. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, introduce me to your agent. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he introduced me to his agent. The very first job I got was a national network commercial that ran for five years. And I made a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> and that was kind of the beginning of the end of our relationship <laughs> because here I was in his industry making more money than he did. And I, I think the final straw was when one of the casting directors, I forget which one I went in or he went in for an audition. And after he slated his name, mm -hmm. the casting director asked and said, are, are you married to Leah Finney? And and that was the end. That that was it. Wow, wow. that was it. Yeah. Well, well you know, yeah. Uh, what was your 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 first commercial? You, it was you for never... Min, Min Wax Furniture Polish, 
And the thing that was so wonderful about it is they loved my smile. And, and I'm very, very grateful. My smile is pretty much my, uh, my money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was playing a nurse, pushing a lady out of the hospital. She had a baby. Her husband was at home furnishing the, uh, you know, polishing the crib with, with miniature, uh, the furniture polish. Mm-hmm. And I was just smiling, pushing her out the door. So the producers called my agent and said, look, we want to hire Leah, but we want her to take this job as an extra. And I said to the agent, I said, well, does that mean I don't get any residuals? I mean, how does that work? I, I knew nothing. They said, right, Leah, if you're an extra, you don't get residuals. I said, well, no, tell them no. Tell them no. <laughs> I didn't tell them no. So they said, okay, then we'll have to hire her as a principal. I did not say a single word. I'm smiling the whole time. And like I said, over five years, I made $100,000 for that smile. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, you, you, you never forget your first uh, uh, commercial. And uh, mine was, uh, um, oh, uh, I, my, my commercial was an Afro Sheen TV commercial. <laughs> and, and, and I had my hair braided uh, oh, wow. and I had a, a cap on, a flapjack cap that Ken Webb had given me, you know, oh, Ken man. Webb from WBLS. Yeah. And and uh, and Copper Cunningham was in the commercial with me. And Copper Cunningham asked me. She was on screen. She says, "And what do you want?" And I came. I I got into the shot and I took <laughs> off my cap and oh. bent my head down and showed my 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 braids. And I said, "Afro sheen." <laughs> <laughs> you know. And and I remember now that that commercial didn't didn't run as long, uh-huh. but I, but I made $10,000 on that commercial. That was my first commercial. I was like, you know, wow. uh, I was like in my twenties. I said, wow, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. yeah and I remember telling, and I remember when I had met Don Cornelius at a, an event we were doing, I said, Don, I said, you know, my very first TV commercial was on soul train and it was the Afro Sheen commercial. And I made $10,000 and he says, well, Keith, I'm glad somebody's making some money. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've, I've heard stories about their their challenges that they had financially. I'm surprised that you had braids during that time as opposed to just a plain Afro, um, because it seemed like braids were really not looked upon favorably exactly. during that time. You know, exactly. we've come a long way in, in our commercial work. And um, I've really tried to bring others along. You know, I'm constantly looking at folks and friends and family and new people that I meet and they're so awed about what I do. And I'm like, you know, if you've got a look, uh, I've asked, have you ever thought about it? You know? Well, um, Leah, I, I hate to interrupt you, but we've mm-hmm. got to take a break. So we'll leave okay. it right there. But ladies uh-huh. and gentlemen, we'll be back with uh, Lady Leah Finney. You know her from the Boost commercial. In fact, as we're doing the show right now, I'm sure the Boost commercial uh, has come <laughs> on television. <laughs> Uh, uh, we'll be right back. Don't go away. This is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them. They subscribe to them and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. 
Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Where Coca Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to Alexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you for joining us again. We uh, want to remind you to go to harlemamerica.com to check out some of our uh, wonderful uh, audio podcasts and some of our TV shows, uh, and some of our great articles. And soon you'll be able to listen to Leah, Penny, uh, the podcast that we're going to have for you uh, a little bit later. We'll, we'll have that up and we'll make sure that you uh, get a link to it, Leah. But okay. uh, let's talk about, okay, so now uh, how did you go into jazz as opposed to R&B or gospel? What pulled you into jazz? Well, I think my voice really was uh, the, the dictator on that. Um, I'm a contralto, <laughs> a contralto. <laughs> which is below alto <laughs> and above tenor. So sometimes, you know, um, it, just, it just felt like it fit the music. Um, and I, because I wasn't writing pop songs at that time, or, you know, interested really in writing pop songs, I just started singing songs from the American Songbook and discovered a community where they really liked that music mm-hmm. and just kept going with it, you know. Um, I started meeting lots of musicians and developed such an appreciation for the instruments. And I would hire and uh, put bands together and go and book the shows. I talk to the places, book the show, hire the musicians, get the music, <laughs> perform the shows, you know, wow. and I became quite a producer. Uh, so I, I liked that. Yeah, I like that. Um, I've thought more here lately about doing some publishing because I have written some songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary J. Blige has been on my mind lately. Really? I, I want to get to her. So I've got a couple of tunes that I think she could really turn out. But jazz just seemed to fit my voice and my character, too. I think I'm more laid back and um, just kind of easygoing kind of kid, you know? Well, I, we, we certainly have enjoyed you uh, at some of the, the popular venues here in, the, uh, in, in Harlem. 
And, uh, you know, Harlem is such a, a musical entertainment uh, uh, hub for, for, for many types of uh, uh, performers. And uh, so we've seen you at the Red, Red Rooster, yes. um, the, the famous Linux Lounge that it is no longer here. Oh, that was uh, so You've yeah. done the Sugar Bar, mm -hmm. the Metropolitan Room. T yeah. Tell us what it's like. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of gave us a, a litany of things that you have to do. You're the, you're the chief cook and bottle washer yourself yeah. where you, yeah. you know, <laughs> where you have to book everything. But yeah. but uh, uh, what, your, 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 your favorite place to perform, your favorite audience, what, what type of people are you looking for to come in and, 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 and for you to serve? Uh-huh. I actually had a, a three-year residency at a French little boutique restaurant called Cherie. Cherie was such yes. a romantic little... Uh, oh. It was so wonderful. And the intimacy that yes. it allowed, you know, when you're performing, I mean... Yes, people were eating brunch or eating dinner, but there was um, a respect for the music. They, they loved being serenaded yes. while they were eating. And you just were able to build that camaraderie with people while, you're, while they're sitting there eating and you're singing and it's, it's just joy in the room. So I think I like that intimacy as opposed to the big, you know, uh, arenas. Uh, Apollo was fabulous. It was wonderful. But you know, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now wait. Okay, so so for our our, our audience, tell us now: were you on Showtime at the Apollo Amateur no. Night, or, or, <laughs> no. or were you actually uh, a a featured artist at the Apollo? Uh, I was a featured artist in the Apollo Cafe, which ah. is kind of like a little separate uh, uh, performance area. And they have special events. And so I was uh, invited by someone who was actually hosting another event to perform the music for their event. And it was wonderful. But, you know, there's, there's um, like I said, I like that intimacy with people. And, you know, they come up and talk to you. And you can really build something. And a lot of times people would come back to the restaurant because I would be performing. I remember one day... <laughs> Folks came in and I just happened to be there. And I heard the gentleman said, is Lady Leah performing today? Mm -hmm. And the waiter was like, no, she's, she's not here today. And like, oh, okay. And they turned around and left. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a people person for sure. And I just like that connection. So my performance gives me that, that framework to be able to touch people's lives and to be touched. Yeah. Yes. So, so you are a Harlem American uh, right now. You, you're living in Harlem. Is that it? I live in Harlem. I've been living in Harlem now um, for the last 14 years. Um, I moved to Harlem after my divorce. I, I decided to come to Harlem. I was blessed to get a really beautiful brand new apartment from the city lottery. So mm. I encourage folks, if you're looking or if you, you know, feel like you want to make a move, do put your name on that list. You know, it's, it's not impossible. It is a lottery, but it's not impossible. And so um, I came at a very good time. You know, 15 years ago, the city, Harlem was really going through like a second, maybe even a third renaissance. Yeah. The music, the restaurants. Um, of course, all of that has kind of been dampered by the COVID but it's, it's starting to come back. It's starting to come back. A lot of young people discovered Harlem 
during that time. Mm -hmm. They were um, rebuilding the brownstones. I don't know if you remember, they had a, a housing program where no, you could buy a brownstone for a dollar. You remember that? I remember, and I, and I hate myself every and, day because I did not get in that program. Uh, listen, I wanted to get in that program so bad, but you know, I didn't have the, uh, the uh, flexibility in my finances that I have now where I could have maybe, you know, qualified for the quarter million dollar loan. You had, it was a two part thing. You could buy the brownstone for a dollar, but then you had to qualify for a $250,000 loan minimum to renovate it. And then you had to live in it for five years. It was all a part of rebuilding Harlem and it worked. Redevelopment, it worked. Uh, 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 Abyssinian uh, Development Corporation yes. had, a, had a lot of these programs that yes. they were, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, to this day, you know, I've got neighbors who um, got the brownstones for $1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now these brownstones are worth $3 million, you know. Uh, and it's it's a little crazy. I and, and the guy, Doogie Hauser, Patrick Neal, uh, Patrick, what was mm -hmm. his name? Uh, Patrick Harris, whatever I, his name I, I is. I know you're talking about. Around I'm the corner. Names uh, <laughs> around, <laughs> all I know is Doogie Harris uh, yeah. or, 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 or Doogie Hauser. Doogie uh, Hauser, that's he, how yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. He, around the corner from me, he sold his brownstone for $7.1 million. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was really a great opportunity if you could have taken advantage of it. I know some people who bought three, you know, mm. and uh, I was like, God bless you. You know, it, yeah, it apparently yeah. wasn't my time, but uh, I feel blessed now to have a really beautiful apartment. I have two bedroom, two bath, brand new apartment mm -hmm. uh, here in Harlem and in, in right in the middle of all the action. So um, I'm excited well, well, about that. Well, let's talk about because uh, because of the pandemic and, and, and being artists ourselves, we, we, we've had to make sort of a, a, a shift in uh, uh, there used to be a time that we would go away to casting places to be uh, to audition for for roles and parts and yeah. and things. Nowadays, we have to do self auditions. Tell us about your self audition experience uh, because well. of the, the pandemic. You know, I at first I didn't understand what what was happening. And um, when I realized, oh, they actually need for you to create what would be created in their office if you were there. So I decided, you know what, if I'm really going to do this business seriously and continue to do it uh, the way I had been doing it, I had to turn my whole apartment into a sound and uh, recording studio video recording studio. I took out all my furniture. I made my living room into like a reception area, just like it would look if we were <laughs> going to an audition right. office. Right, right. I painted the walls different colors that, you know, they like to see on the camera. Yeah, and, it's, a, um, it's a blue and a green, a blue I, or I, a green for, for yes. people who don't know. Yes, and I have a, I have a light gray slate for mm -hmm. headshots because at one time, I was trying to encourage other brothers and sisters to come in if you want to try to get started in this business. Now that we're doing it at home, it might not feel so intimidating as going into a casting office. And I was really trying to help them get their headshots. If you wanted to put together a tape, because you can get on Casting Network's website mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and sign up to submit yourself for jobs um, you know, without being in the union. So it's, it can be such a lucrative business 
that I was trying to, you know, get folks to come in with it. But you really have to be disciplined to uh, to do that audition, to uh, practice enunciating and listening to commercials. I tell everybody, listen to commercials, hear what they sound like. It's a different kind of sound. Um, most people walk out of the room when the commercials come on. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a challenge, but I do, I do like it. I, I have been able to adjust to the demand of it because now I control it. I control the lights. I control the visual. Um, I can do it over and over again. If I need to do it 10 times, I can do that. Uh, not with much direction. You know, I have to trust what they're telling me in the email, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being right there and the casting director might say to you, well, why don't you try it like this? Or why don't you, you know, put the uh, pronunciation this way? That you don't have. But as far as learning even more about the business, I feel that I'm much more um, educated in the business. And I could be an engineer at some point. <laughs> if they needed somebody to sit in, I think I could do it. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So how did you get this famous Boost commercial? How did, did that come about? Man, first of all, I wait, 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 if I may. First, g give us the famous line that everyone stops you on the street to, to say to you. <sighs> Age is not a number and mine's unlisted. That's it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now tell us, how did you get this fabulous job? You know, I tell you, it. first of all, I, I have to thank God for everything that's come my way. And, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. That commercial, uh, they wanted someone who was full of energy, but maybe had a little gray hair. My gray hair had started coming in. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm, this is mine. This is my commercial. I, I just felt the vibe. I, I felt connected to the copy. And uh, I love photography too. So I knew how to hold the camera. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes when you know how to handle the props, you can really look like you know what you're doing. Right. And they're like, and that, that you know, gets their attention. Um, just to sidestep for a minute, I remember a Bank of America commercial that I did. Mm -hmm. And they were doing it, the, the name of the commercial, you might remember it, is called The Five Fine Phillies, about these five black women who were right. in a band. They had a band and they hadn't played together for years. Well, they decided to get together and I was the bass player. That was my character. <laughs> well, I own a bass guitar. I bought a bass guitar years ago because I was dating a guy who played guitar. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be able to, for him to have fun when he came to my house. So he, <laughs> I don't play bass guitar, but I bought one. Uh -huh. And so when they said, oh, you're the bass player. So I said, well, shoot, I'm taking my bass into the audition. Mm. I carried that bass into the audition and they were like, oh, She's a real bass player. All that, all this. And, you know, of course, I know how to hold it and I can bake it real good. And right, I, right. I got that job. I got that you job. You did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I think yeah. holding the camera and just being comfortable with the camera and being mm -hmm. comfortable, you know, and and of course, you know, when you're talking about photography, smiling is like, that's the key. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you, you certainly... Um uh have captivated 
uh, <laughs> everyone with this boost commercial. They, they must be selling it by the caseload. So, oh, I have people know. tell me all the time, I buy that commercial, I buy that product because of that commercial. And I know marketing knows that. They're smart like that. They're smart like that. Um, yeah, I, I used to drink the other stuff until I mm, saw that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I know several people who did that. They switched over. And um, I can't vouch for the product, but I say that it's a good product if you need it. <laughs> if, if, you need it. <laughs> if you need it, it's a great product. Yeah. And, and so, so this Boost TV commercial has been running for how long? Since 19, oh, 19, 2018. Since 2018. 2018. That's, uh, if my calculation is correct, Mm -hmm. uh that's a lot of years <laughs> yeah <laughs> four years you know commercials nowadays if they run a few months you know because everything is seasonal yeah but they do have some where they'll run for the whole cycle which they consider just under two years is a complete cycle for the contract and then when they renegotiate your contract it gives you an opportunity to ask for more money or wider distribution, as well as it gives the production people an opportunity to get a wider distribution as well. They can take a 60 second commercial and make it into a 30 second, which right. I think is what's happening now with the boost. Mm -hmm. It used to be a, a, a 60 second spot. So um, yeah, it, it plays a lot. It seems to get a lot of attention. That line, you know, age is just a number, mine's unlisted, folks hear that. And it, it strikes a bell in them. It sure, certainly, yeah. certainly. So uh, how many times did you have to do that line? Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 times. I tell you, I love my work. And so I've kind of got a reputation with some of the directors as, you know, one take, uh, one take lady, because I, you know, I can nail it. I can nail it. <laughs> one, or, one or two takes, I could nail it. Yeah. I'm well, kind of that, proud of that. <laughs> well, well, that is uh, great. Uh, all right. Well, we're, we're uh, running uh, down and we're going to take another break, a uh, short break. And uh, when we come back, um, maybe you can tell us about some of the uh, plans you have uh, coming up. Okay. And, and some of the, uh, oh, and then, then there's a particular video I want to ask you about too. Uh, when, okay. when I come back. Okay. All right. Very so, uh, uh, I want to remind people that uh, you can download Harlem America to your cell phone and carry us around and watch all our TV shows and things. And you can also, uh, if you have a smart TV, then you can uh, put Harlem America, search for Harlem America and put Harlem America on your TV. I've got my, my app right next to Netflix. So, uh, you know, you can do the same. And uh, well, what else I want to let you know? Um, oh yeah. Uh, Harlem week is starting. Uh, in fact, uh, you might catch some Harlem week festivities now, but on Sunday, August 14th, we'll be at Grant's tomb for a great day in Harlem. Come by, check us out and, and, and watch all of the, uh, the entertainment and Debbie B and I will be there. So we'll be looking for you at Harlem week's great day in Harlem at Grant's tomb. And in the meantime, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're with uh, Miss Lady Leah Finney, and uh, we'll talk more about her career and uh, things that she's up to. I'm G. Keith Alexander, and this is What's Hot, Harlem America. We'll be right back.
Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, so, you know, you've got this video, Leah. Yeah. And this video is called Fat Daddy. <laughs> Big Fat Daddy. Big Fat Daddy. <laughs> now, now, tell me, how did that concept oh. come? You know, folks, you, you must go to, uh, uh, what is it? The, you know, it's, it's Leah. It's, it's LadyLeah.net. Lady it's my Leah. website. Okay. You go there. And it's on the homepage, the video. It's on the homepage. You know, when I got into music, well, first of all, coming to Harlem really was the beginning of me getting into the music because when I was married and I was raising children and going back and forth to work and all of that, I really didn't have time to explore my music. So I'd kind of put it on the shelf. When I moved to Harlem, I said, okay, now is the time. And I met a gentleman who just recently passed away. His name was Sheldon Sweeper. Mm -hmm. He weighed about 600 pounds, <laughs> maybe not that much then. He probably was about 500, but when he died, it was about 600 pounds. Um, but he had the sweetest spirit. He was a horn player, trumpeter, mm -hmm. and he just had the sweetest spirit. And he took me under his arm like uh, um, a little sister kind of helped me get gigs and showed me the ropes and places where I would want to play. He introduced me to musicians so that when I heard this song, I forget when I actually heard that song, um, Big Fat Daddy by Irene. Let's see, Irene Freed, I think is her name. She sang it back in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my God, this song, I'm going to sing the song and dedicate it to Sheldon. And so I decided to make a video and I produced the video. I hired the videographer. We did the location. I hired the actors. One of the main actors, the, the guy who actually is the big fat daddy in the video, I saw him on the train and I went right up to him with my business card. And I said, you know, you would be great 
in my music video. Are you interested? <laughs> you know, I've always been in sales. That's another thing that has been a, a real foundation for me. You know, whether it was Girl Scout cookies or, you know, wrapping paper in grade school, and then I would help my children with their sales, you know, to raise money for school. Mm -hmm. So sales has always been a thing for me. And uh, I was like, you know, I need to make this video. And it was so much fun. We did it in like three days. It was great. I'm so proud of it. Everybody needs to see it. It is a celebration of big men. Well, it you, you certainly have like maybe about six overweight lovers in the Yes, yes, video, yes. You know, uh, <laughs> and one of them is dressed like a clown, though. Uh, how did yes, that come about? Yes. Well, you know, he was doing the uh, magic show at a street festival that I went to. And I was just you know, out to recruit big men to do the video. And I just, I just wanted big men from all walks of life. You know, that was kind of my idea. So um, I saw this guy and I said, hey, I, I think you should be in my video. And I told him about it and, and he was like, sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Well. So it, it was really, it was really, um, you know, a lot of work. It was a lot of work, mm -hmm. but man, do I love it. I love the outcome and I'm so proud of it. Yeah. Everybody needs to look at that video. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Now, <laughs> is, is that a, uh, is that part of your first CD or is that? Uh... Well, that song is actually on the first CD. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really is not the, um, the focus of the CD. Mm -hmm. The focus of the CD really was about me getting off the shelf, which is the name of the CD off the shelf. Um, you know, I was not a spring chicken doing my first CD like these young kids. Now, you know, they got selling 20,000 records, 200,000 records, at 20 years old. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not mad about it, but I, I felt like this was my opportunity. And so those songs are primarily, um, uh, songbook, uh, the American songbook. There's one song on there that I did write and, um, that I hope to have published, but, yeah, that was the beginning. And then my Christmas CD, now that's the CD that you want to get. Mm -hmm. Christmas is coming. It's a great gift. That CD, I'm so proud of it. Really, really, my voice is strong. The instruments, I just have two instruments, a bass and a piano. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful celebration of, of, the, um, of the holiday. Yeah. And, tell, and tell our audience where they can purchase uh, the CD. They can purchase it right on my website, Lady Leah, that's L-A-D-Y-L-E-A-H dot net. And they can go right to the page and purchase um, PayPal, accepts uh, uh, credit cards, or you can do a PayPal, and you can get it right there. You can get as many as you want. <laughs> oh, wow, as many as you want. As many as you want. Cheese <laughs> and crackers. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, all right. What, uh, you know, you've gone through, um, uh, life's, uh, hopefully most of them have been ups. Uh, but, uh, do you have any regrets? Uh, what have you sacrificed in order to become, uh, the Le lady Leah Finney that we know today? Well, you know, I really have to kind of think about that because what I've come to understand as I've gotten older is that everything works together. You know, you can't really just 
pick one thing out of your life and say, well, if this hadn't happened then I would have been this and that, but then it's a ripple effect. Everything has a ripple effect. Everything, you know, impacts everything else. And so I think my biggest thing that I would want to change would be that I had gotten to be a stronger and more confident young woman earlier. You know, I uh, was very shy when I uh, first came on the scene. I was a lot insecure, didn't know what my real strengths were and um, didn't trust myself so much. But now all of that, thank goodness, thank God has changed. I, um, I recognize the things that I'm strong in and I recognize the things that I'm not so strong in and that's good, that's cool. I'm good with that, you know. Uh, like you said, when, when I decided to sing jazz, I knew that I was not strong in R&B. <laughs> you know, I just don't have that kind of voice and I'm okay with that. So being, being good with yourself, I think mm -hmm. is an important thing as you perform. Um, you know, it's just a good thing to know your strengths and, and feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. So um, I've grown a lot. I feel like I've grown a lot. I, I, um, I look forward to growing even more. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm getting to the place, I don't know if we talked about this yet, my artwork, because- uh, Oh, uh, yes, I saw three pieces, uh, I think it yeah. was, oh, okay. And I, and I just, I've, I'm just now building that page on the website. I originally came to New York to be an illustrator. Really? I wanted to illustrate children's books. I wasn't thinking about acting. I wasn't thinking about music. I wanted to illustrate children's books. So I went to Parsons School of Design. Uh, I did some classwork at the Art Students League. I studied watercolor. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a really hard road to hoe, like my mother would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that term before. <laughs> my mother would say that and I'm like, hmm, okay. Let me put this down for just a minute. And so I've been able to get back to it. Uh, I wrote a children's book about weaning from breastfeeding mm. and I'm illustrating it. I'm getting ready to uh, do a self-publishing. I tried to get publishers, you know, there's so many things that I think our society tells us are taboo. And I don't know, breastfeeding seems to be one of those things that is as natural as it is. People are just like, awed about it or they're surprised when they see it. I'm like, what is the big deal? I always but, enjoyed um, it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I nursed my youngest daughter until she was two years old. I didn't mean to do it that long. Mm -hmm. uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics says a year is best because a lot of people don't know that breast milk goes directly to building brain nodules. And so I felt like, well, I want my child to have some, a good brain power. So, and it was inexpensive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but when I stopped, was getting ready to, to wean her, she caught a cold and the doctor said, you know, this is not a good time, let her go a little further. Well, by that time she had gotten very discriminative and she was like, no, I'm not letting go of this. And so I looked for a book or something to help me to, to wean her. Everything that I saw was, was technical for the parent. There was nothing for the child. So I said, I'm going to write a book for my child to understand why this is something that is now over. And uh, I wrote the book in rhyme. Whenever she'd want a nurse, I'd say, oh, let's get our book. 
and mm-hmm. she could read the book with me. Of course, she didn't read it, but mm-hmm. she could say it because she memorized the rhyme. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, yeah, this is something that I think a lot of mothers could use. Yeah. And then I, I then it allowed me to get back into my painting. Um, those paintings that are on my website, mm-hmm. I did those during 9-11. Really? I was actually, yeah, I was actually at a um, uh, commercial shoot mm-hmm. when it all happened and they wouldn't let us come back into the city. So when I finally mm-hmm. did get back into the city, my apartment then was on 42nd Street. I was on the 25th floor and it faced south. And wow. those billows of clouds, they just, they billowed like that for months, for weeks. Um, and I said, I've got to paint this. And so I did. Yeah. But, Incredible! Um, well, you did a great job. Uh, when you. folks when folks go to your site and they scroll all the way down and yeah. they see it, uh, it, it, it's beautiful. Wow! Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, so tell us in the time that we have left, uh, what some of your uh, upcoming engagements, uh, things. That- well, I just finished a fabulous show. Oh my goodness, a wonderful show at Minton's uh, mm. Jazz Club. You know, Minton's is probably even more popular when it comes to the jazz than the Apollo. And, um, you know, names like Billie Holiday and Duke Ellington and all those folks were there. And so I did a wonderful show there, a Las Vegas type show. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yes. So uh, Las Vegas, if you're listening, I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, But now, you know, I've done so many things and I really feel like I I did everything that was kind of on my bucket list with Mm -hmm. the music. I'm, I'm now ready to either do some more recording or special events. Um, I've always wanted to sing at the White House. When really? Obama was president, I was like, come on, man. Come on, feel me, feel me thinking about you. I'm thinking about you, <laughs> feel them vibes. <laughs> but you know, things like that, the Kennedy Center, big, big events like that. Um, uh, weddings, of course. My friends call me and I, I love singing for weddings because I, I think that's just so beautiful. Really? So those are the kinds of things. I'm not so much singing for brunches and restaurants and those kinds of things now. I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of other singers that could have that opportunity uh, to do that. That's how I got started. So I, I appreciate that leg up and now I'm on to the next thing. Okay, so when, so- you, when I have something, I will post it. On the calendar okay. page of my website, I will post the dates. Yeah. Oh, great, great, great. So uh, there are perhaps uh, many people wanting to get into some some part of the industry that we spoke about today. Uh, may even want to, you know, become a jazz singer or an actor or or uh, even a producer. What advice would you give these millennials today? I'm, I'm learning that these millennials have this, you know, they've got something going on that, uh, mm-hmm. w- you know, that uh, I find to be very intriguing. But w- w- what would you uh, suggest to them if they'd I like think, to get in? I, I think the biggest element, you know, there's so many aspects to it and you can give advice until you're blue in the face. I think the biggest aspect for me is understanding time. Time takes time. Things take time. Um, you know, this instant kind of phase that our country is in. Uh, I get it, you know, technology has kind of lent itself to that. But to really build your voice, build your skills, build your talent, pay attention, uh, 
observe. I, I watch actors all the time. I listen. I listen to you, man, sometimes. Are you <laughs> kidding? You. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And um, practice, 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 practice in the mirror. Look at yourself, hear yourself, record yourself, um, and just practice and know that it's going to take a little time and that's okay. It's like trying to, you know, pick an apple before it's ripe. You know, it just takes a little time. And then all the other things that, you know, all the other advice that you can get from this one or that one, you know, yeah, take it all in, but just know that it's going to take a little time. Well, thank you, Lady Leah. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you this so much. Has been wonderful to be able to really sit down with you in length and have a, a conversation about uh, your journey and your yes. accomplishments. And what's that line again for the boost? Mine is unlisted. My number, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, give, give, give me okay. the whole line. Okay. Age is just a number, and mine is unlisted. All right. But Ladies if you got some really fine brothers out there that uh, are single and looking for a sister like me, that number don't have to be unlisted for long. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we. we uh, uh lady uh leah thank you so very very much <laughs> thank and you. Uh, thank you uh we look forward to all of your your accomplishments and seeing you on my tv at least 15 times a day yes so anyway Amen. uh yeah so this has been what's hot harlem america with g keith alexander and uh featuring lady leah finney and ladies and gentlemen you have a great day and a better one tomorrow and don't judge your brother or sister too harshly and you walked a mile in his or her shoes and remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. See you next week. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.